Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 25th of February 2013. Newcomers, help yourself to the audios at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll see all the official sites listed there. They'll carry audios for download. If you find sticking on one, try another one because lots go into the com at the same time. And they all carry transcripts as well in English for print up. And if you go into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu, you'll find transcripts in other languages to choose from. Remember two, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests who scare you for 50 minutes and then sell you their products. I don't have shares in any things that are being sold to make you live forever or whatever. And uh, depend upon you listeners to just keep me going, ticking over. Because that's all you can do in this day and age is tick over and uh, as we go down the tubes. So if you want to buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com or donate, you can also do it from the U.S. to Canada by still using personal checks or international postal money orders from the U.S. to Canada. You can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. And straight donations are really seriously, seriously welcome. And I go through the history of the big system you're living in and show you how men got together a long time ago to plan this whole society and what you're going through right now. In fact, it's all planned by think tanks, which they own. And uh, think tanks work on every aspect of society for every single generation. They're working now on future generations, ones who haven't been born yet, what they'll train them with in kindergarten and uh, throughout school, uh, just as you were too. And you didn't know it, that what you went through was all planned long before you were born as well. That's how uh, incredibly accurate this whole system is. It's very precise, run from the head. And it's the same thing across the whole world. You really have an international educational system through United Nations nations and you have all the teachers and their unions on board with it all they're well paid like Lenin said and Stalin said you've got to pay the teachers awfully well because they indoctrinate the next generation very very important for those who want to run the world properly and properly means creating an obedient society uh, that will simply obey commands be awfully law abiding pay their taxes and work and eventually hopefully they'll take a, a little pill rather than just get sick and die and take money as they're dying uh, from their pension they want you to just die and so the, the governments can grab your pension that's more efficient that way you understand this efficiency is very important in this system and of course too we're all getting the points that we're now superfluous as a population in the post-industrial countries. They really don't need you. Uh, and they've been teaching you for years now that really the life is cheap. You're, you're off your pedestal. You've been dethroned. And life is cheap. And uh, even the movies you keep churning out simply augment that too because they're predictive programming. That's what you call all the movies that you watch. They prepare you for what's coming. You don't reason through things. You're enjoying the movie and you're getting downloaded with all things to come in the movie. So when it happens in reality, you say, oh, well, I guess it had to happen. It must be a natural evolution or something. And you accept whatever comes down the pike. Very simple. And 
of course, you know that Hollywood is completely on board with the Pentagon and has been for its whole existence, in fact. And they get lots of subsidies from it and, and complete uh, funding sometimes for, for movies as well. You just don't get battleships and whole fleets and all that involved in movies uh, uh, just to make a good movie because the military likes to do it and help you out. It's because it's part of the, the job of the Pentagon is to put out propaganda movies. And Hollywood is awfully, awfully good at that. They've been doing it, as I say, from their very first you know, inception. So we're living through a system of big change, big change. And this is the time and age of transitions as they phase out rural America, rural Canada, rural Britain, everywhere else under Agenda 21 to cram you in the slum cities where you'll die off, hopefully, over the next 40 years, according to the big boys. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, talking about the system. It's called the system, you see. You're living in a system. Very, very complex system if you're new to all this, but it's not really complex at all because the boys have been running the world, been running it for an awful long time via money, basically, the system of money and from the top down. And everything runs on money. No one, no one questions it. No one even questions why these guys have the right to even dish out what they call money to countries or the right to even print up money uh, for countries or how it really, really works at all. We just take it for granted. Mind you, no one's ever going to really do a real thing on it at all or change. It won't happen. It won't happen. Never happen. Because if the money power is taken away from the money boys, the, the whole, everything would collapse. The whole system of domination would collapse. They wouldn't get the professors into the universities to treat, teach really communistic liberalism or any of these things to change societies and destroy societies. Everything would fall apart as far as their power control would be. So it will never happen. won't happen. And again, to Carl Quigley in, in his Tragedy and Hope and, and is also his Anglo-American establishment talks about the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, coming up with a big plan to take over the world and all of its resources too. All of its everything is you need water, minerals, everything uh, they own. You see, basically that's what you've been pushing for for years, and they've been buying up countries and their water rights, and they're, they're buying up their lands for for produce, for the food, and they also take all the minerals out of the ground for all the different uh, things they want to make and so on. So it's all been happening. And again, you, you can tie many of the guys together in, in this, their propagandists of the past to prove the points. I mean, H.G. Wells was a propagandist for this group and for the Fabian Society, which is one arm of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, because they run left-wing and right-wing. And um, he wrote a book called The Open Conspiracy. He said, that what we're doing, he says, is open to the public if they care to look for it. It's all published, and it's in your library somewhere. Uh, the problem is most folk don't read the books, and so they're always confused, and they're kept in the now by the media. And the media keeps you into, into days now, what's happening today. Oh, now you're reading about is the fallout from it all, but not the cause. But as I say, they published that. They published, uh, quickly published his books too, to, sh- to tell you what the whole plan was, and he was all for it, being their chief historian of their own archives, because they have their own separate history, you know, the real history, where they admit they've been behind wars and so on, and they're bringing you towards a new society. Remember one of the members too, Charles Galton, Darwin in the 1950s, 
and said that there's always been slavery in one form or another. We're simply bringing in a more perfected form of slavery. You're in it, folks. You're in it. You're all debt slaves, you see. All of you are debt slaves. And you vote for governments that then borrow from the banks and the private lenders. We don't even know what they get in return for this. They won't tell you. One time they should bring in and float around the world, you know, ship loads of gold and stuff, but they don't even do that anymore. But as I say, we're, we're really at their mercy because uh, everything runs in this world on this thing called money and corruption. All the corruption runs on it too. And you could never have a decent world at all as long as these guys are in charge of it. It's got to be taken out of their hands. And countries, if they want to be countries at all, remember these countries, want, these guys want to abolish nations. The guys who own the money system, they want to abolish nations. And they've done a darn good job with the creation of the United Nations, which is to help to take over the transition phase. This is the age of transition you're going through right now, the, the, the century of change, for those who don't know it. That's what they call it at the top. And they're bringing it into austerity. It's all part of the big, big plan. Now, austerity doesn't mean they're getting it less at the top. It's to charge you extra for electricity. You still have to use electricity for heating or something. Same with oil and everything else. But it really means that uh, you're going to pay a lot more for a lot less. That's what it is. So they're not losing anything at the top. All these big, com- big companies and corporations. I am be taught to, to live in, in utter austerity. I read an article today about that how ludicrous it becomes in countries like Denmark, uh, Denmark, uh, even back in the 70s, Denmark openly hired uh, Marxist teachers in schools, high schools and colleges as well. And they're teaching Marxism there. Well, now that group have all grown up under the Marxism. They're all, they're all greenies now and they're pushing for, for, uh, to, that all new houses cannot have, they cannot put the old heaters in to heat yourself or oil or, or electric. So I guess when they just have to freeze to death. This is how mad a doll becomes as they teach you to be austere. <laughs> austere, right? Remember, too, it's a guy's too, because even one of the top politicians in Canada said that even if all the climate science and global warming is all a scam and fake science, he says, we'll get our agenda through of redistribution of the wealth. That's, that's the real intention of it. That doesn't mean it's going to other countries to help the countries. It goes to their own international corporations, which are based all over the planet. But it says in this article here, it says virtual, virtually all of the big banks' profits come from the taxpayer bailouts and subsidies. Still. And, and the banks would just about break even in the absence of corporate welfare. Bloomberg noted last year that 77% of J.P. Morgan's net income comes from government subsidies. Uh, just substitute that from government subsidies to taxpayer subsidies. That's slavery, folks. And he also said, uh, what if we told you that by our calculations, the largest U.S. banks aren't really profitable at all? What if the billions of dollars they allegedly earned for their shareholders were almost entirely a gift from the U.S. taxpayers? Really, economists have tried to pin down exactly how much subsidy lowers big banks' borrowing costs. In one relatively thorough effort, two researchers, this is Kenicha Yuda of the International Monetary Fund, well, they at the IMF, they have to take over, remember, two along with the World Bank, the BIS, for the CFR, and Beatrice Weider de Moro of the University of Mainz put the number at about 0.8 percentage points. 
This discount applies to all their liabilities, including bonds and customer deposits. Small as it might sound, 0.8% make, makes a big difference, multiplied by the total liabilities of the 10 largest U.S. banks and assets. By assets, it amounts to a taxpayer subsidy of $83 billion a year. To put the figure in perspective, it's tantamount to the government giving the banks about three cents out of every dollar collected on your taxes. The top five banks, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America Corps, Citigroup, uh, Wells Fargo and Company, Goldman Sachs Group Inc., account for $64 billion of the total subsidy, an amount roughly equal to their typical annual profits. And it shows you on this article I'll put up at cuttingthroughminutes.com uh, their reported annual profits and so on. And it says, in other words, the banks occupying the commanding heights of the U.S. financial industry with almost $9 trillion in assets, more than half the size of the U.S. economy, would just about break even in the absence of corporate welfare. In large part, the profits they report are essentially transfers from taxpayers to their shareholders. It says the money hasn't just gone to the bank shareholders, it's also gone into the pockets of the bank management, which of course we know. But I'll put this up tonight. And uh, just to show you, I mean, that's slavery, folks, slavery. See, legally, when you vote, you're giving power to someone that you don't know. Uh, the ability to pass any law and rule over you on behalf of what? Well, you better look into what your countries are registered as. They're, they're corporations, and they borrow from these bankers. So legally, you're put down as, as, as having to work off your share of the debt that's always accumulating. That's why they want everyone to vote. Some countries they made it legal, a legal necessity to vote, or you get fined or even put in jail. You must agree to be a slave. Now, this article too uh, is talking about. Uh, I think it's Wednesday. This is, is to be published. It's a university study from London that looked into slavery and the fact that uh, the slave owners were reimbursed big bucks uh, when they had to give up slavery. It doesn't go into uh, the, the, the shippers, though, the ones who, who had brought uh, them in. We know some of that because they did find massive ledgers. And it was on a documentary last year. I mentioned it, put it on my site in the archives at cuttingthroughmates.com, where they got the Rothschilds, who were one of the biggest... Um, Shippers and buyers of slaves and sellers in the new in the new world at the time, but they found massive ledgers of them. And the, the Rothschild family came out at the time and said, "Well, we've made up from that since we've gotten lots of charity and stuff like that." So this is just about the slave owners, not the traders. And that'd be interesting to get a list of all the rest of the traders because they're all living in Portugal and Spain at the time, primarily those guys, and they had massive uh, merchant ships and fleets of them going back and forth to Africa. And they've been doing that for an awful long time, actually thousands of years and other, t- other times and periods and places. But it says that the LBS website is the umbrella for two projects based at the USL, tracing the impact of slave ownership on the formation of modern Britain. The ESRC-funded Legacies of British Slave Ownership Project now completes and the ESRC and AHRC-funded structure and significance of British Caribbean slave ownership, 1763 to 1833, running from 2013 to 2015. This is the project. The encyclopedia contains the identity of all slave owners in the British Caribbean at the time slavery ended in 1833. This is on Wednesday, 27th of February, 2013, at 6 p.m., and the Gustav Tuck Lecture Theatre at UCL, Catherine Hall, will give a public 
a public lecture entitled Towards a New Past, The Legacies of British Slave Ownership, to celebrate the publication of the Encyclopedia of British Slave Ownership and their inauguration of a new project, The Structure and Significance of British Caribbean Slave Ownership, 1763-1833, funded by the ESRC and the AHRC. It'll be followed by a demonstration of the encyclopedia. So Wednesday is when supposedly it comes out. And uh, some of the names are quite interesting because lots of the politicians, not so much the... I know Kate David Cameron's ancestry goes back into that too. Uh, and his family goes back into the banking system, of course, because they were involved in the banking hall of, of Shanghai and Hong Kong as well, as he told a particular um, lobby group in Britain when he was who was trying for politics at the time. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the, the big system we're born into that's completely controlled, always was. You're given certain things to, uh, choices in life, of course, you, you, can, you can choose what to eat now and then from this fast food or that fast food or whatever chemical soup that you eat and things like that or what club to join or what, uh, what side to, to, if you've got a chip on your shoulder, there's already a made group for you to join. Uh, they're all made up for you already, you see, by the, the guys who run the world. But also, you really have no choices at all when it really boils down to it. Even what's in your head is given to you, again, mainly through fiction. And Hollywood is very good at giving you uh, stories based on true stories. Like they say, based, you know, they should say very, very loosely based on true stories, uh, if at all. Uh, anyway, that's, uh, many of the stories actually didn't happen at all, in fact. But the, the, during the 70s and 80s, that's when they first started that based on true stories. And then years later it came out that most of them weren't based on any stories at all. They were complete novels. But anyway, it doesn't matter. That's how reality is made for, for most folk. And, of course, they're very good at giving you history, you know, revised history, uh, Hollywood style. And uh, why do you think they, they pay them so much at the top for these awful movies? It's a vital part, just as important as the military-industrial complex. It's part of it. If you're running, want to run a world, you would run all the culture, all the culture. And the Frankfurt School, uh, that's what they majored in, is cultural changes for all the Western nations. And they admit it, too. So they've never stopped. And this article here says, Zero Dark Thirty, the movie, wins the Albert Speer Oscar for Best Propaganda Film. And it says, Hollywood history is all the rage these days, but it comes out at a huge cost. One of the most pervasive trends in 21st century Western culture has become, as I should say in the 20th century, has become somewhat of an obsession in America. It's called Hollywood history, where the corporate studio machines in Los Angeles spend hundreds of millions of dollars in order to craft and, and precisely tailor historical events to suit the prevailing political paradigm. And it's, uh, it's very much in fashion, say. From Lincoln to, to Dubien, from... Uh, to Black Hawk Dawn, to the Iron Lady. They constitute a significant portion of today's major releases. There's only one problem, however, with tailoring a story to fit neatly into prevailing political paradigm. And over the last 100 years, the Germans and the Soviets did this too, with devastating effect. But back then, we just called it propaganda. 
No film embodies the Hollywood historical treatment more than the much-celebrated cinema release of Zero Dark Thirty, directed by Catherine Bigelow, and one of the favourites to grab an arm from the Academy Awards this weekend in LA, including Best Picture, Bigelow for Best Director, Mark Bowl for Best Screenplay, and Jessica Chastain for Best Actress. The film's main premise is constructed around a female CIA officer, which didn't happen like this. Played by Chastain, they have to do it for fairness, they have to put a woman in charge, and her dogged determination to find the highly elusive mastermind of 9-11 and the Al-Qaeda MVP Osama bin Laden. Chastain's performance, critics claim, has also empowered women. So it's all politicized, you see, empowering women by showing her uh, how her film character caught Bin Laden, but it didn't actually happen that way in real life, that says. And we'll get to that later, it says. Where the film starts to take heed is with us is sensationalization on screen of CIA torture scenes, making it seem like we need to do this. As it was to legitimize torture. Unlike previously, unlike previously less celebrated but more integral intellectual cinematic efforts at talk, taking on torture, the rendition and lines for Lambs, Bigelow seems incredibly bent on going the distance to glorify, through her attempt at cinema verity, the, the troubling practice of torture by the CIA as a means to glean intelligence about the whereabouts of various Islamic terrorists scattered throughout the world's third world cesspits. And it says... Actor Jessica Chastain was unaware that the Zero Dark Thirty was a work of total fiction. Total fiction. <laughs> she didn't know. Bigelow and her writing team's artistic license on the effectiveness of torture even prompted one screen legend, actor Susan Sarandon, to brand the film as a piece of manipulative political entertainment. The veteran human rights defender issued a written statement saying that when watching Zero Dark Thirty, you should know that the movie has generated controversy because it leaves a mistaken impression, that is, that the CIA's torture of prisoners worked by providing information that led to Bin Laden. Now, I've read the articles here from the top characters uh, in the U.S. military who were involved in, in charge of all the terrors, terrorism in the Middle East and Iraq and so on, who said that they were just t- sending troops out to gather up people in markets. Now, just get numbers and, and torture them. That's what they really did, folks. This is, in fact, the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee spent four years investigating the CIA's torture program, and according to Senators Feinstein and, and McCain, the CIA's vaunted torture program under Obama did not lead to bin Laden. That's the only true statement you'll ever hear surrounding the government's uh, bin Laden tale. Zero Dark's glorification of torture is merely the first level of moral dissent, however, because you see there's still the thorny issue of Osama bin Laden to deal with. One thing that was clear when watching the film and also by the reactions of theatre goers at the screening at Brixton, South London, that Zero Dark marks a new low point in America's now fashionable politicised culture. The Bigelow must be aware of this because she seemed to play this card shamelessly in her highly politicised film. Never before in the history of cinema has there been such a breakneck rush to complete and release a motion picture so soon after the sad event, or the sad event, to serialize the legendary hunt for Bin Laden and the greatest manhunt in history by a gallant SEAL Team 6 ending in the siege of the terror kingpin's alleged place of abode, a compound located in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Apparently Bigelow's production was already in motion in May 2011 in advance of the White House announcement that sealed Team 6 had killed Bin Laden and Bigelow, it seems, was either persuaded or herself or decided it's not clear which to rewrite the film script to theatrically chronicle what President Obama had put forward as his greatest achievements since taking office. Back with more after this. (laughs) 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. And one of the reasons that the U.S. used not to pay carbon taxes in other countries, too, was that the biggest polluters, like China, wasn't paying carbon tax. So the big boys who owned China had a word with China to give a little press release, which they did, saying they're going to introduce a carbon tax in China so that the West would have no excuse not to do the same there. They understand it to be a world carbon tax. We're all slaves. It doesn't matter if you're in China or anywhere else. We're all slaves to the system. And this is to, to change your whole way of living, all the hefty taxes and fees, and where your disposable income, according to Agenda 21, will go to paying for, 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 for all these fees and fines and all the rest of it, you see. And it says, the developing world takes the lead in fighting climate change. So there you go. It says, there may be growing murmurs from China that the country may be getting serious attacks, or, or serious about get, uh, tackling climate change. And yesterday, the news agency announced that China is mulling stricter taxation policies for environmental and resource protection, including a tax on carbon emissions. So now you'll hear it this week or whenever that the U.S. has to really rush ahead and everybody else with carbon taxes, which, remember, is intended to start with corporations and then get passed on to you. It's already getting passed on to you with the pricing uh, because they don't pay anything at the top. And, and then they want personalized carbon taxes for the privilege of living. For, that's what you only paid for the. You have to pay them for the privilege of living. That's where it's supposed to go. But I'll put up this link tonight too. Now we know that the U.S. next job is to uh, grab the resources all across Africa for the big international corporations, the same guys that are owned by the banks. Because the, the big top banks own these big corporations. All the big ones that you hear of are owned. It's all one big club, folks. And traditionally, they've always used your, your militaries and your people and your bodies. And so on, and the taxpayers to fund it all, to go out in the countries and grab all uh, the areas for them so as they can loot it, you see. And it goes on today, it's just the same thing. Anyway, the Dagger Brigade in the US is ready, as it says, for AFRICOM missions. Whoa. And it's from the US Army. And soldiers from the 2nd Brigade Combat Team, 1st Infantry Division from Fort Riley, Kansas, with their Bradley fighting vehicles and so on, are all ready to go. And it says, um, this is the Kamoya helicopter. The helicopters are bringing in two different brigades in them and combat teams and infantry divisions and so on. And uh, they're all set to just go in there with everything there is. It's quite a long article, actually. Lots of links on it, too, for those who like to look at lovely machines you're all paying for and weaponry, etc. So America's got a big, big job to do uh, over there, and it's really pushing to get it done. And, of course, too, uh, U.S. troops arrive in Niger to set up the drone base, and so they're setting troops in there too. And it's a start of uh, this story goes back to 2011, but this one's out just recently, February 23rd. But um, this is how far back they've been planning to put them. They're also going to put them in Yemen too, by the way. That's another story up today. So the U.S. is really getting in big because the guys who own America, the, the corporations and so on, want all the all the diamonds, golds, minerals, uranium, you name it, water, uh, and, of course, even all the, the cropland for themselves. That's what they've got to have in a, to- a totally controlled society, for a world society, you see. And also, thank you, Obama mentioned 
this, the SAFE fund, it's called SAFE. Uh, they also called it America's Energy Security Trust Fund. And it says that back in 2005, the U.S. emitted over 6 billion metric tons of carbon dioxide, an increase of 25 million tons over emissions in 2004. They've got special emissions guys at Bond University. One hand's heavier than the other, and when they, they kind of balance the act, they can tell as one hand sinks how much, much they own. They owe, you see. But it says the scientific community agrees that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gas emissions from human activities are influencing changes in the Earth's climate. No, they don't all agree at all, so that's a lie. Potential climate changes could have civic, economic, environmental implications, blah, blah, blah. So how would America's Energy Security Trust Fund Act work? The bill would impose a per unit tax on the carbon dioxide content of fossil fuels, beginning at a rate of $15 per metric ton of CO2 and increasing by 10% each year, also accounting for inflation. Well, inflation is 10% a year. You better go a lot higher than that. The the rate is consistent with the broadly accepted goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Now, most of greenhouse gas emissions is water vapor, folks. That's what you find. Most of it is. And CO2 is a trace gas, which they need for plants to grow. But it doesn't matter. Cons will do. Cons will do. And repetition, repetition, repetition. And most folk go along with it, you see. You see, it doesn't matter about fact and reality or truth. Interesting little article two says the French Communist Party says a Jew to the hammer and sickle. They had that offer of all, all their, their, their existence, the hammer and sickle. So they're, they're placing it with the five pointing star of the European far left alliance. And it says, um, it says the party PCF is replacing the communist emblem of peasants and the proletariat who ruled by, you know, the, the elites, communists, <laughs> with a five-point star representing the European left, a loose alliance of far-left parties, including France's left front. Uh, the move announced at the party's 36th Congress, which closed Sunday, has angered traditionalists. They really love the, the old one, you know, the hammer and sickle. It was interesting, too, if you look at the old West German um or East German, I should say, uh, flag two, uh, symbol, they had, uh, the compass, you know, the Masonic compass, and inside, again, they had the hammer, just like the British one, uh, the British Freemasons have. That's what they have the hammer inside of it, instead of the G. That's what you can do when you have trained peasantry, you can hammer them, you see, whereas you've got to persuade them through other means, like graft, for instance, uh, to join Masons and stuff. Anyway, I'll put this up tonight too. And um, this article too, I've mentioned it before, is a two-year-long uh, French feeding study designed to value the long-term health effects of a genetically engineered corn uh, found that rats fed Monsanto's maize developed massive breast tumors, kidney and liver damage and other serious health problems. The major onslaught of disease set in during the 13th month. Female rats that eat genetically engineered corn died two to three times more than controls and more rapidly while the male GE-fed rats had tumors that occurred up to a year and a half earlier than rats not fed the GE corn. The current results from the 10-year-long feeding study in rats, mice, pigs and salmon, genetically engineered food causes obesity, along with significant changes in the digestive system and major organs including the liver, kidneys, pancreas, genitals and more. The EPA admits there's a mounting evidence that Monsanto's insecticide-fighting yield guard corn is losing its effectiveness in the Midwest. So it's not even doing what the claim it does even for repelling pests. 
Last year, rootworms were resistant to the toxin in the genetically designed corn-infested fields in Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, and Nebraska. But they have found that it caused, they knew that from the beginning, it caused all these tumors and stomach and so on in, in animals and other mammals. And it's to do the same, of course, with people too, naturally, naturally causes. Doesn't matter. You see, you've all, they die off supposedly, because all their long-term projections, uh, even for, for the Department of Defense, see, the, the population is to suddenly plummet around the, the year 2040. You know, suddenly. Just like that. They just know these things. You see? Anyway, Nat Rothschild's attempts to mount a broad, a, board, a boardroom coup at Bumai, as his Indonesian coal miner he co-founded, but is now exiled from, came to head today. So what he's done, is going in there with the shareholders, and he wants to place and handpick his own guys to run it by himself. I'll put this link up tonight, too. Also, uh, in the Washington Times, this is um, this article to, is to do with... Uh, one of the Justice Department's leading crime researchers who critiqued the effectiveness of gun control proposals, including some of President Obama's. The Justice official uh, department called the memo an unfinished review of gun violence research and said it does not represent administration policy. This is how they're covering it here. But obviously it was a top official who was asked to write out a memo as, as basically a baseline for for pushing for gun confiscation. confiscation. Anyway, the NRA's run with it, and it says the memo says requiring background checks for more gun purchases could help, but also lead to more illicit weapon sales. It says banning assault weapons and high-capacity ammunition magazines produced in the future, but exempting those already owned by the public as proposed, would have limited impact because people now own so many of those items. It also says that even total elimination of assault weapons would have little over effect on gun killings because assault weapons accounted for a limited proportion of those crimes. The nine-page document says the success of universal background checks would depend in part on requiring gun registration and says gun buybacks would not be effective unless massive and coupled with a ban. The administration has not proposed gun registration and so on, but gun registration ownership curbs are hot-button issues for the NRA and other gun rights groups. So they're still at it as to how to disarm the American public, which they've got to do. They've got to do it because... Uh, collapses are, are scheduled to happen. They all, ha- they're all, they all happen on schedule, you understand. During the inquiries about the banks collapsing, they knew, the big banks knew, at least five years, and, and their shareholders, five years before it happened. So it was planned to happen, to bring in austerity. They lost nothing because they got all of us to borrow money through your government to bail them out. They lost nothing. And it worked even better because then the big boys who run, run the world privately, uh, they own you. They own you. You're on massive debt forever and ever. You can't pay it off with the compound interest. It's a strategy. Economic warfare is one of the main strategies of warfare. And folk don't know that's even happening. And also this one too is to do with the power. It's to show you how it's built in devaluation. You watch any of the old James Bond movies, it's quite funny to see them because I think it was one of the movies I was watching, re-watching recently. And Doctor No, I think. And the bad guy has this island in the Caribbean and he's got a massive nuclear facility there to power it all and power all these weapons and so on. 
and it, it's just it bought it bought it all for a thousand. Um, uh, sorry, a million dollars. A million dollars for all of that. You couldn't buy any part of it now. You could even buy the island for a million. Because you see, inflation is built in to this con money system. It's built into it. This is the you end up with the peso. Your money ends up with the peso, you know, or the lira. Eventually, you'll pay about ten thousand dollars for a cup of coffee. This is what's supposed. So it has to end up this way. Everything goes up every year. Your whole life have noticed that. Your parents noticed it. Your grandparents noticed it. Everything goes up, and you think you're going up too because you have periods every year, which doesn't cost cover the cost of everything going up. It's a joke. It says the purchasing power of the pound in your pocket has plunged by two-thirds over the last 30 years as the cost of everyday goods has soared. A threefold increase in retail prices means the average shopper would need to have £300, as 299 here, say 300 in their wallet today to have the equivalent spending power of £100 back in 1982. Figures released by Lloyd's TESB private banking based on prices of essential household items show the cost of a loaf of bread has tripled in the last three decades from 37 pence to £1.24 a dozen eggs, which would have cost 73 pence, and now £2.82 pence, and the price of milk has more than doubled from 20 pence to 46 pence. The cost of a pint of draft bitter went up from 73 pence to £3.18. Also shows the purchasing power of cash has eroded at an average rate of 3.7% a year over the past 30 years. It's actually higher than that. If inflation, because I've read other government articles just today, in fact, and they, they say themselves it goes up 10% a year. If inflation rises in line with government's targets, customers would need to have £300 in, 240, in 2042 to have the equivalent spending power as £100 now. Researchers also found the average price of a detached house was now six times higher than in 1982, with prices soaring from £45,211 to £273,700. Fuel costs have also risen substantially, with diesel prices now 294% higher than in 1982. And it says, uh, Nitesh Patel, economist at Lloyd's TSB Private Banking, said, The value of money has fallen substantially over the past 30 years, as retail prices and the cost of many everyday items has soared. It's built into it. It's built into it, folks. They always knew this. It's a con game. A con game. Everything to do with money is a racket, folks. Everything is a racket. And whistleblowers. People, again, they love to make movies about whistleblowers, but they never really do ones about the real whistleblowers. They do fictionalized ones. But the nurse in Britain who came out with the truth about Stafford hospitals, it's just one terrible hospital in Britain. She says, I'm still fighting to do the job she loves, she says. And it says here that she's been penalized for coming out. They always get penalized, you see. The student nurse who blew the whistle on the appalling care of elderly patients at Stafford Hospital was disciplined and is still blocked from completing her course, while staff she complained about continued to work in the National Health Service. Uh, Barbara Alat, 43 years old, reported her concerns over poor care and patient neglect to the, her university tutors, hospital mentors and senior nurses. But she found herself facing a fitness to practice panel at the University of Stafford School of Nursing, which threw her off her course. She has since lost two appeals against the decision, and three years later, her place remains permanently withdrawn. So that's what you get in the the real world, not like the movie versions. That's the real world, folks. (laughs) It's quite nasty. Also, to George Orwell. George Orwell, 
during his, in his book, 1984, showed you when he's being tortured as Winston. Winston's being tortured by O'Brien. And, uh, cause Winston had clued into all the cons that were going on. And, uh, and, and O'Brien's job was to get him to believe all the fantasy, the new realities, as he changed them daily, in fact. And he put up five fingers and him holding up while you're holding up, you know, five, you know, and you get shocked for it. And he held up four, uh, uh, you, you, and he said three, you got shot for that. So the thing is, Orwell said, or Winston said, uh, to be free, the, the right of freedom is the right to say two and two means is four. Understand pure reason and logic. Your right is to say what you see and you know. Right? Well, here's this article here. Students who refuse to affirm transgender classmates, people who dress as something else, right? And tell you, you've got to call them what you want them to call them. I'm really a girl. It looks like a boy, obviously. Do you understand you're being told to become insane? Huh? Do you understand this is the very system that Orwell was warning us all about? Where you can't say what is logically, sanely, factually. You've been, and you get penalized if you don't become insane and go along with it. And it's very, very important to understand what I'm saying here. Because it's not going to stop with this sort of stuff. Parents across Massachusetts are upset over new rules that would not only allow transgender students to use their restrooms of their choice, but also punish students who refuse to affirm or support their tran- transgender classmates. Last week it says the Department of Education issued directives for handling transgender studies, including allowing them to use the bathrooms of their choice or play on sports teams that correspond to the gender with which they identify. Doesn't matter what they identify with, folks. If a guy says he's a woman and he doesn't have a womb, he's, he's still a guy, you know? He's definitely not a woman. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the Matrix. And also... I'll go to Mike from Pennsylvania, who's hanging on the line there. Are you still there, Mike? Yeah, hey. Yes. Uh, you're about in the same mood I'm today, but I figure it can only go up from here. Uh, uh, I figure if you can't beat them, bark. Howl, it's almost a full moon. That's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this David Mayer de Rothschild, um, I guess, I suppose I heard he was, uh, for lack of better term, dating uh, Cameron Diaz a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, he must have got shot down like a drone because he was dating some baseball star mm-hmm. after that. And uh, Al Gore, meanwhile, you know, he got dumped by his fat wife. Yeah. Who was, I guess, busy backmasking Led Zeppelin albums some time ago and for a hobby, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a real normal person there. And uh, he got, you know, the masseuse, I guess. You know, he couldn't get it well on with the masseuse. Uh, and then at Dominique Strauss-Kahn, you know, this guy got, you know, I guess, I guess he, he thought, you know, cause he was white, he could do anything to this, uh, black chambermaid. And she had some sense in her. Yeah. So, you know, what I'm wondering is all this that they wrought. I mean, you saw it in the 70s, I saw it in the early 90s, this, and now they're probably bringing on new, some new form of feminism where they attack nuns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oprah, uh, you know, 
men have to change, and, and, and Donahue, uh, you got to be like a a small edible fruit, like a date. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steinem, you know, that B.I. Yes. And, and these people wrought all this on, these, these three amigos I mentioned. And, yeah. and you know, now they have to, I guess, deal with the same people that uh, that uh, that they wrought. Yeah, well, they've always controlled the thoughts of the public um, for, forever. Uh, and uh, the people don't think and reason through talk shows even on television. Uh, you'll find that Phil Donahue, uh, for instance, he was the one to first start. Uh, stop thinking about things this way. Let's look upon it from a different point of view. And within one hour, he could have you cheering for prostitutes. Women, women audiences cheering for prostitutes because he convinced them that they were doing a service for the towns they lived in. Uh, and then you look at the masses of producers and, and people who worked at the end. But ten minutes, the thing would go on. All the folk involved to make that one-hour show and psychologists and all the rest of it. They knew exactly how to, to turn the switches to make you believe 180 degrees around in one hour. To where they want you to go. It's so simple. Now, now of course, with um, Oprah and all the rest of them, it's even more advanced than that. They, they, they selectively pick the, the audience too, who don't know they're being picked for certain traits. They have their whole personality profile run down. So the public are put one way or another so easily today. There's, there's no there's no difficulty at all in doing it. The general public, as I say, cannot reason for themselves. Brzezinski said that back in the 70s. They were trained that way, and now they're trained with their with their default positions not to think about certain things, not to use logic when they're being given emotive topics and so on, or guilt topics. Guilt's a great way of getting default positions set, and they actually feel guilty when they start questioning. Well, like the article I mentioned about, you know, um, guys that will say, I'm a woman, call me Martha, you know, and... Uh, uh, and you, you better do it or else you're in trouble with the school. I mean, that's exactly what Orwell talks about. Freedom is a right to say two and two is four. You're not Martha. You're, 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 you're a guy. You're a guy. You're still a guy, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, just, it's just that they have to now deal with the kind of society that they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they must think that, that they're not, um, they don't have to be wimps. They can't adapt very well to this. That's right. That's right. But we're, we're to completely debauched now. The old system that kept things going is gone. The old, even the cultural system from the old religions have gone. And now it's chaos. It's just like ancient Greece or ancient Rome. That was, the, that was of course, the intention. Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your God's go with you.